This is a Capricorn FM podcast. This grade 12 lesson is proudly brought to you by the Department of Education in partnership with Capricorn FM. Working together, we can do more, providing quality education. Thank you so much. This is a data handling, paper two. We are going to start with the measures of central tendency, which refers to the different types of averages of a data set, namely the mean, the median, and the mode. They can all be used as descriptions of the data that we are investigating. However, there are often reasons why one may be a, a better option than the other in a particular situation. Let us start with the mean. The mean is referred to the average of a data set. The sum of the values divided by number of values in the set. That is the mean average. Calculation of the mean. Let me just give you an example. Here is John who tested water pollution in five rivers and found the following pollution percentages. 32, 60, 77, 48, 57. I'm going to repeat the percentages. 32, 60, 77, 48, 57. How to calculate the mean average? Mean is equals to sum of all values in the data set divided by number of values in data set. Meaning we're going to take all five percentages given, divide by five, which is 32 plus 60 plus 77 plus 48 plus 57 divided by 5. Use your calculator to get the sum divided by 5, which is equals to 54.8%. Sum of all values divided by the number of values. That is how we calculate the mean average. Sometimes you are given the mean average and one of the values on the data set is omitted. Let us check on how we should work it out. The mean age average of eight grade 12 learners is 18, meaning mean is equals to 18. The ages of seven of them are as follows. 17, 19, 20, 18, 17, 19, and 18. We've got seven of them. So we'd like to know what is the age of the eighth learner? The age of the eighth learner. Let the age of the eighth learner be X. So the mean, we're going to write the formula, sum of observations divided by number of observations. So the mean is given, it's 18. So below the mean, you substitute with 18, 
which is equals to sum of observations 17 plus 19 plus 20 plus 18 plus 17 plus 19 plus 18 plus x remember the eighth learner is x divide by 8 so in this case 18 it's equals to 128 plus x divided by 8 18 is for the mean the sum of scores 128 plus x representing the eighth learner we divide by 8 we now cross multiply to remove the 8 on the right hand side meaning 18 times 8 it's equals to 128 plus x 18 times 8 it's equals to 144 which is equals to 128 plus x we then collect the like terms by moving the 128 to the left hand side so as to live only with x on the right x is what we're looking for and therefore we're going to move the 128 from the right hand side to the left hand side because the 128 was supposed to be added getting to the left hand side you are going to subtract it so it's 144 minus 128 is equals to x so the eighth learner is 16 year years old 144 minus 128 is equals to 16 so it means this learner is 16 years old the other measure of tendency is the median the median is another name for middle when we calculate the median we should arrange a data set in a row of magnitude in ascending order. The most important is to arrange the data in ascending order. Values in the middle of the ordered row will be intermediate in size and should give a good idea of the general size of the data. The median can be used as an indication of central tendency. It is the middle number. So let us check on an example here. Susan receives the following mathematical literacy scores. We are supposed to find the median. Scores are as follows. The scores are in percentages. 66, 62, 21, 29, 69, 61. I'm going to repeat 66 62 21 69 61 to find the median you need to arrange the numbers in ascending order so that you have the ordered data set we arrange in ascending order the as follows is 21 61 62 66 and 69 
Now, let us find the middle number. The middle number in this case is 62%. So the median is 62. The median is 62 because 62 is the middle number. Besides that, we might also add to get the data uh, uh, to be even. If Susan obtained 65 for an additional test, you, we, we, you will still calculate the mean in the same way, the median in the same way. But we need to check that data is no longer odd, but it's even. Additional test is 65%. Arranging in ascending order, we're going to start with 21. It's going to be 21, 61, 62, 65, 66, and 69. We've got six numbers. And here we're supposed to determine the median. We are to determine the median. How do we calculate the median? Because we've got six numbers. It means the median is lying between the two numbers in the middle. The median is lying between the two numbers in the middle. The two numbers in the middle is 62 and 65. Therefore, we're going to take the 62 and 65, we add them together. We calculate the mean average of the middle numbers, which is 62% plus 65%. We divide by 2 because these numbers are 2. The median is therefore equals to 62,5. 62, uh, no, 63,5 because it's 62 plus 65 divided by 2. The answer is 63,5%. That is the median. If data is odd and you are to determine the median, you must know that the median is lying in the middle of the two of the entire data. It means the median is going to divide your data into two equal halves. And therefore, you choose the two middle numbers and you divide by two. But if data is odd, you are just going to single out a number in the middle. The mode. Mode is the value or the values in the data set that occurs the most. The mode is often used as an indication of central tendency when very high or very low values in a data set skew the mean. Mode, we can say in simpler terms, the number that appears the most on the given data. I've got a worked example here. The number of words in a group of learners that group of learners can send in an SMS in a minute is set out here. I've got 10, 13, 25, 27, 29, 31, 31, 33, 33, another 33. I'm going to repeat. 10, 13, 
10, 13, 25, 27, 29, 31, 31, 33, 33, 33. So we are to get the mode. The number that appears the most, the number that appears the most here is 33. Therefore, the mode is 33. Now, the last one, the range. The range is the difference between the highest and the lowest value in a data set. It is an indication of the spread of the data. It cannot be used with grouped uh, data. Calculation of the range. When calculating the range, make sure that you arrange your data in ascending order. Once you have arranged your data in ascending order, it's easier for you to determine the minimum number, which is the first number in ascending order, the smallest. And to also to determine the maximum number. Therefore, you are going to get the difference. When you get the difference, it means you take the biggest number minus the smallest one in order to get the range. Let us just quickly get... Um, the range of the following data. I've got 10, 13, 25, 27, 29, 31, 31, 33, 33, 33. The range. The range is equals to the maximum number minus the minimum number, which is equals to substitution 33 minus 10. 33 is the maximum, 10 is the minimum, minus 10. The answer is 23. Besides this, we also have the quartiles. The quartiles. Quartiles are statistically ways of summarizing data by dividing the data into quarters. It means the quartiles uh, the values are actually um, divided into four equal groups. When we talk of quartiles, we're actually uh, referring to the quarters of the data. Let us just take an example on how to work out with the quartiles. We should also remember the way we found the median of the data items. The median, also called the second quartile, or the Q2, divides the data into two equal halves. That is the median. The median in terms of the quartiles is referred to the Q2 or the second quartile. Let us check on the given uh, data. I've got two, 60, 76, 84, 87, 88, 90, 93 is misplaced. Remember, when you work out with quartiles, your 
data should be in ascending order. That's very, very important. And therefore, when we arrange this, we're going to get the following. 2, 60, 76, 84, 87, 88, 90, 91, 92, 93, 96, 97. Because we're do, dealing with data handling here, we should verify that we've got the correct data. After ascend, uh, at the ascending order, count your values. Check how many numbers you do have here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. We've got 12. And therefore, we are supposed to get the first quarter, the second quarter, and the third quarter. Because we've got 12 numbers, for us not to be confused, we need to start with the median, which is the Q2. The median Q2 of the data lies between, we're going to count, it lies between 80 and 90. Therefore, it means that the median, it means the Q2, the second quarter of the data, is 88 plus 90. We divide by 2, which is equals to 89. In order to get the lower quartile, the lower quartile, which is the Q1, the first quarter, we get the median of the first half of the data. You get the median of the first half of the data. The first half of the data is, according to the given information, is 2, 60, 76, 84, 87, 88. Remember, in this case, you need to get the Q1, which is the quartile 1. It is also referred to the lower quartile. Therefore, you are going to get the first half of the first part of your data. In this case, it's lying between, the Q1 is lying between 76 and 84. So the lower quartile, which is the median of the first half of the data, lies between 76 and 84. Hence, the value of the Q1 is 76 plus 84 divided by 2, which is equals to 80. It means our Q1 is 80. Now let us get to the upper quartile. The upper quartile is the Q3. Upper quartile is the Q3. To get the upper quartile, we get the median of the second half of the data. The second half of the data is 90, 91, 92, 93, 96, 97. For us to get the upper quartile, which is the median of the second half of the data, it lies between 92 and 93. Hence, the value of the Q3 is 92 plus 93, we divide by 2, which is equals to 92,5. This actually happens when you get data in 
in the even. But learners should be aware that when you get the data in even, for you to determine the quartiles, you must first get the Q2, which is dividing your data into two equal parts. From there, get to the lower part to determine the Q1. You get to the upper part to get the, the Q3. Other than that, you might find that you're given data in the odd where you single out the quartiles. Let us just quickly get to this one. I've got uh, the marks for a test out of 35. The marks were as follows. 21, 22, 22, another 22, 23, 25, 29, 31, and 33. I've got 11 numbers here. Now, let us determine the Q2. Q2, the middle number, which is also the, uh, the median, the Q2 is 26. Q1, Q1, half of the first half, which is 22. And the Q3 is 29. The Limpopo Department of Education believes that education is the key to overcoming poverty. As a result, we have partnered with Capricorn FM to bring radio lessons to all grade 12 learners in Limpopo. Starting on Monday, 17 August, tune in and catch expert teachers as they present live lessons for an hour. From Monday to Friday between 5 and 6 p.m. on Just Drive and again on Saturday and Sunday evenings between 6 and 7 p.m. on the Royal Movement and the Afterglow respectively. Limpopo Department of Education Working together, we can do more, providing quality education. Let us just go back a bit and check on the quartiles. I said the quartiles are values that divide a data set into four groups, containing as far as possible the equal numbers of observations. Remember, a data set has three quartiles, which is the lower quartile, Q1, the middle one, which is the median, the Q2, and the upper quartile. The last example given to you was to determine the quartiles whereby a test of mathematical literacy out of 35 was written and the scores were as follows. 21, Number of scores, 11. The Q1 is 22, this third number. And 26 is the Q2. 29, which is the second one, is the Q3. Now, there is something that sometimes you might be uh, requested to answer calculation of the IQR. IQR referring to the interquartile range. When you calculate the uh, interquartile range, we usually say the Q3 minus Q1. Don't forget to arrange your data in ascending order in order to get the quartiles. 
In this case, we've got the Q3 as 29 and the Q1 as 22. And therefore, our IQR is 7. So, it means we take the Q3 minus the Q1 in order to determine the IQR. The box and whisker diagram. The box and whisker diagram. The box and the whisker method may be used as a more convenient way of identifying the different quarters of the data. In this case, a five number summary is used. The smallest observation of the data is the minimum. I'm referring to the five number summary. We've got the minimum, the lower quartile, which is Q1, which is the position after the first quarter, appearing as the median of the first half. The second quartile, which is the Q2, the position of the median of the data. The upper quartile, which is Q3, position after third quarter, appearing as the median of the second half. Then the largest observation of the data which is the maximum. The five number summary consists of the minimum number Q1, Q2, Q3 and the maximum. So for us to, de to, to determine the five number summary we use the box and whiskers diagram. How the box and whiskers uh, and whisker diagram works. I've got an example here from 2016 paper. We've got the heights of nine grade 12 learners in feet. We've used the imperial unit, the imperial feet. Remember, with us, we're using meters. The height of nine grade 12 learners are as follows. 4,4 feet, 5, 3, 4, 3, 5, 2, 4, 9, 4, 7, 5, 1, 4, 8, and 6, 1. I'm going to repeat the heights. 4, 4, 5, 3, 4, 3, 5, 2, 4, 9, 4, 7, 5, 1, 4, 8, and 6, 1. Step number one. We first arrange the data in ascending order. We should also note the distance between the observation, which depends on the range between the observations. Let us arrange data in ascending order. It means it's 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4
we should identify the Q2, the total number of values that were given. Let us identify the middle one, which is the Q2. Our Q2 in this case is 4,9 feet. 4,9. That is our Q2. Next, which is the third step, we look at the data before the median and we identify the middle value, which is the Q1. If there are middle values, we add them and divide the sum by 2. Yes, according to the given data, we've got 4,3, 4,4, 4,7, 4,8. So it means our lower quartile, which is the Q1, it's lying between the 4,4 and the 4,7. So we add them together to get the, the Q1. 4,4 plus 4,7 divided by 2, which gives us 4,55. 4,55 is our Q1. Lastly, which is step four, we look at the data after the, after the median and we identify the middle value, which is Q3. If there are two middle values, we add them and divide the sum by two. And in this case, we've got four numbers as well, which is 5,1, 5,2, 5,3, 6,1. We are going to add 5,2 plus 5,3. We add them together. We divide by 2 in order to determine the upper quartile, in order to determine the Q3. So it means the value of Q3 is 5,2 plus 5,3 divided by 2 equals to 5,25 feet. When we check on our box and whiskers, we've realized that we've got the whiskers whereby the first uh, value of the vis uh, uh, whiskers is the minimum number. And the last one on the right hand side of your box is the maximum value. And what about the box? We've got the box in the middle. The first corner on your left is the lower quartile, is the Q1. The line in the middle of the box, depending as to whether it's positive or negative, that line is the Q2. And the last end of your box is the upper quartile, which is the Q3. And therefore, it means the box and whiskers is actually reflecting the five-number summary. And in this case, the five-number uh, summary is as follows. We've got the minimum of 4,3, the Q1, 4,55, the Q2, 4,9, the Q3, 5,25. How to calculate the IQR referring to the box and whiskers. Remember I said the box in the middle 
is actually indicating the lower quartile, the median, which is the Q2, and the Q3, which is the upper quartile. And for us to determine the IQR, we should say Q3 minus Q1. Q3 minus Q1, in this case, in the given example, it means it's going to be 5,25 feet minus 4,55 feet, which is equals to 0, 0,70 feet. That is how we use the box and whiskers. Remember when you see the box and whiskers, think of the five number summary. You get to the five number summary and don't forget that each time the data should be arranged from smallest to biggest. Very, very important. And you should first start with the median in order, uh, the Q, uh, Q2 in order to get the other halves of the given data. Let's get to percentiles. Percentiles are measure of spread that divide the data into hundreds, into percentages. Each percentile represents one of the data. Example with the percentile. The 50th percentile divides the data into two sections, each representing 50% of the data. 50th percentile, which is 50% of the data. This means that it divides the data into two equal halves. Hence, it is also referred to the median, that is the 50th percentile. The 25th percentile, it represents 25% of the data arranged in ascending order. Hence, it cuts off the first quarter of the data. This means that it is the, actually the lower quartile. That is the 25th percentile, which is 25% of the data. The 75th percentile, it represents 75% of the data arranged in ascending order. Hence, it cuts off three quarters of the data. This means that it is the upper quartile. Upper quartile is the Q3. Upper quartile is the Q3. So it means when working out with the percentiles, you work out with percentages. The given example here, I've got data here, which is 2,2. This is actually the, uh, the uh, long distance uh, jumpers at the Olympics. It's as follows. 2,2, 2,7, 3,2, 4, 2, 4, 2 again, 4,4, 4,9, 5,1, 5,4, and 5,5. We are to determine the 25th, the 50th, and the 75th percentile. Let us start with the 50th percentile, which is in the middle. The 50th percentile is lying between 4,2 and 4,4. So the 50th percentile is lying between the two. The 20, 25th percentile, which is the Q1, it's between 2,7 and 3,2. What about the 75th percentile? The 75th percentile is lying between the 5,1 and 5. 
0.4. Other than all these percentiles, quartiles, the box and whiskers, the data needs to be represented. And we can represent the data on different types of graphs. Let us start with the pie charts. The pie charts are secular representation of data. They consist of sectors. The size of each sector depends on the frequency. The higher the frequency, the, layer, the, higher, the larger the size of the particular sector of a pie. The higher the frequency, the larger the size of that particular sector of the pie. They are round in shape. This is like a pizza because we say these are the pie charts. And sometimes they are given in percentages. If given in percentages, one should understand that the entire circle is equals to 100. If the circle is complete, it means it's equals to 100. So if one slice is missing, it means for you to determine the missing slice, you must take 100% and subtract the given percentages on the entire pie. Let us take one example. Here is Sophie who opened up a wholesale store dealing with washing powders. She's an agent of Omo, quick, clean, nice and sense. That is, uh, the, uh, that is actually the, the names of the washing powders. I've got a pie for all this um, powder soap given in percentages. The, it is as follows. The percentages are as follows. I've got well powdered soap, which is 17%, quick 16, scent 18, clean 40, and nice unknown. So we are supposed to calculate the percentage for nice. Nice is not given. I've indicated that when you get the entire cycle in percentages, you should understand that this is 100% is complete. And therefore, for us to determine the percentage for nice, we're going to take 100%. We subtract 17, 16, 18, and 40. That is how we should get the answer. It means it's 100 minus, you open your bracket, 18% plus 16 plus 17 plus 40. So it means nice is equals to, you take your calculator, it's equals to 9%. Nice is equals to 9%. And when you add the 9% to everything there, you'll get, to the given percentages, you'll get 100. Again, we, we've realized that uh, Sophie, Sophie's uh, sales for a particular year was 165,000. 165,000 powdered soap. Now, we would like to determine the number of powdered uh, soap sold. Thus, that is 165. So, we would like to check on the number of sales. Sales of what? Of packets of soap. For instance, we are given the Well. Well is another brand. 
we've got well 27 sand 11 clean 28 and a quick eight percent nice is not given now in this case let us calculate the ones given in order to get the 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 the, the total number of packets sold i've got 28 percent of clean clean that is another brand 28 percent how many powders uh, uh, powder soaps packets were sold 165 and clean out of the 165 clean is 28 percent therefore for us to determine the number of packets sold for clean we're going to take the 28 percent we multiply by 165,000, which is 28 over 100 times 165. Total number of packets for clean is 46,200. 46,200. Besides the pie charts, we've got the histogram. Remember, a histogram is the graph of frequency against different groups of observation whose frequency are being compared. It is composed of bars, usually of the same width. There are no spaces between these bars. The most important is that when you draw a histogram, there are no spaces between the bars. The height of the bar represents the frequency of that particular group of the data. The taller the bar, the higher the frequency. A histogram can be used to show the spread of data and is often used for continuous data. We should bear in mind that when, when, when uh, drawing histogram, usually we use the intervals. And even if you've got the intervals, you check on the frequency because that's what you should draw. And don't forget that there are no spaces between the bars. When you draw the histogram, you make it a point that there are no spaces in between. The other graph, the bar graph. The bar graph, this is a bar of frequency against different groups of observation whose frequencies are to be compared as in the case of the histogram. It is composed of bars of the same width with a separate, which are separated from one another. Histogram, they attach each other. There is no space in between. But the bar graph, the bar graph, they are separated. That's the difference between the histogram and the bar graph. And don't forget that the length of the bar graph re represents the frequency of the particular group of the data. The taller the bar, the higher the frequency. The bar graph can be used to compare non-continuous or discrete data. For example, learner's test marks and the number of patients at the hospital, the records should be given. That is the bar graph. Don't forget the bars are apart. Let's get to the compound graph. The compound bar graph, compound bar graphs and multiple bar graphs can be used to represent more than one set of data. 
they can be used in cases where one wants to compare different sets of data. For instance, when you are to draw the compound or multiple bar graph, hence you'll be comparing. It means if you compare three, three things, there should be three bars. For example, let us say we would like to compare test, test number one, two, three of math literacy, one, two, three of geography, one, two, three of uh, English. The fact that we are comparing the three, it means we are going to take the first test for um, math literacy, the second one for geography, uh, the, the, uh, the first test for geography, and the first test for uh, English. We are going to draw the bars. And how many bars are we going to have there? We're going to have three bars stuck together because we're comparing the three. If we continue, we're still going to, dr to draw three of another set. So it means the multiple bar graph, we need to compare the three using the, the bar graphs. The bar should be attached to each other. If you compare three, there'll be three. If you compare two, you'll be doing comparison of two, then it means the bars will be two, two. Again, we've got the stack graph. Stack graph is also referred to the compound graph. This graph consists of the bars comparing different set of data. It consists of bars of one set of data stack on top of one another. It is stack graph. It should stack on top of one another. They may be used to compare the frequency of items in a data set. In such cases, they are called frequency compound bar, uh, bar graph, which is the stack graph. Let us say, for instance, we like to compare the uh, taxi rates of Pretoria in different years. All right, we've got 2009, it was 25, 2011, 30, 2013, uh, 35. Remember, we need to draw the stack graph. When you draw the stack graph, we're going to use one bar in order to reflect all the three years. The first one, the first one, when you draw this type of a graph, you should also indicate the key. And when you get the key, you should show that this is for 2009, the other one is for 2011, the other one is for 2013. And therefore, 2009 is 25. Therefore, your bar will be up to 25. And then what about 2011? 2011 is 30, and therefore the 30 should be on top of the 39, uh, uh, 25. And then what about the last one, 2013? Because we're sticking this together, it is 35. And therefore, it will be on top of the same bar graph. So meaning the stack graph, we stack this uh, uh, information on one bar. One bar stacked together. This grade 12 lesson was proudly brought to you by the Department of Education in partnership with Capricorn FM. Working together, we can do more, providing quality education. That was a Capricorn FM podcast. For more podcasts, visit capricornfm.co.za.